Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Seek Outside podcast. My name is Dennis, and Kevin is here today. Howdy. Uh, Kevin and I are going to record this one at the shop, our first in-person yeah. podcast since COVID hit, moved us apart. Uh, so, yeah, we're hanging out together today. We thought we would answer or... Maybe more likely, I'm going to pick Kevin's brain about uh, ultralight hunting and what that means to him. And oh, and cool. then kind of how that feeds into the products he chooses to take with him. Um, well, people are always in trouble when they start trying to pick on my brain. Um, so it's kind of like that trying to digest what's in Hal's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, one thing I noticed this time of year on forums and just internet communities, people are like, how much does your pack weigh? How much is your whatever? How much? And so as guys get closer to hunting season, um, they start to really pay attention. And there's a lot of variables. I mean, and rightfully so. A lot of people will be like, does it really matter? Take what you need. Um, which there's a lot of truth to that. But take what you need is also very much a moving thing like I, i'll admit i i went backpacking about a week ago and i had six days ish worth of food and i was around 29 pounds or something right which i had a lot of light gear so that seemed kind of high you know i, I, mm-hmm. I had a dyneema silex with me and i was running a flight pack and stuff and i was like how'd i how'd i get this heavy and then i went home and i really took everything out and started to kind of refocus and I knocked like seven pounds off of it Mm. and I really didn't change stuff a whole lot Um, some of the differences were subtle like the type of water bottle or um, some very very minor things you know it wasn't that big of a deal and I could further take off from what I came so the conclusion, I could further take off three more pounds if I wanted, or I could have added two pounds back in and been really like in what I'd consider the lap of luxury. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it can sneak up on you. And, and that seems like an important, right? You, you could have cut seven pounds. You could have maybe cut nine pounds and been miserable. Right. Or more miserable if the weather turned or whatnot. Um, or you could add in an, an a couple extra uh, and be super, super comfy. Big pillow, sleeping bag that's definitely going to keep you warm for the temperatures that you're going to experience. Right. Yeah, and I think some people, uh, th- I would say more so in the hunt in the hiking world than the hunting world, take it a little too far. You know, we had Andrew Skirka on, um, is all, and also um, the section hiker. Uh, and talking about those things that, there comes a point where it's not fun anymore it hurts right or it's cold or or it's wet right there's all those factors Um, it just comes it's it's like how much can you subject yourself to right Mm -hmm. or or i've decided i'm going to hike in the night you know well what's your aesthetic reward for possibly being in say some place like the wind river range which is phenomenally beautiful 
and you're gonna just hike through there in the night to save yourself three pounds. Having to carry a sleeping bag with you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it comes like that's self. That's kind of like punching yourself in the nuts, for lack of a better term, you know. Mm -hmm. So. And you touched on it right away with a question that you see kind of popping up in the forums right now. How heavy is your pack? Right. You know, like, how important is that to you when you're going out? To me, ultralight, lightweight hunting um, is very important um, because I often hunt in very steep terrain um, or steeper than a lot of a lot of people um however i think defining it as as 35 pounds is my pack or 40 pounds five days or whatever i i don't necessarily think that's the correct way um case in point i know nathan who works for us is planning uh we have same deer season owen's going to join us as well we have same deer season same deer unit um, you might join us even, um, mm -hmm. even though you don't have deer tag. Um, but um, he said, like, for 10 days, he has spreadsheet at 44 pounds, right? And Nathan focuses on lightweight, right? Um, that seems about reasonable to me. I mean, if I was just to guess, most of the time I would say three to five days, I can get into the 35-ish area, right? I can get lower with certain things. I mean, if you go trad, you really can shave a lot of weight off because mm -hmm. the trad bow only weighs about a pound and a half, maybe two pounds. Um, however, um, your effectiveness of killing something out beyond 30 yards is really went downhill. Mm -hmm. um, and likewise, you know, some people... Um, you know, they, they throw a spotter and a tripod in everywhere they go. I rarely use a spotter and tripod um, for a few different reasons. One, the areas that I've hunted most often are pretty steep areas. And I found that I took a spotter in there one time and it was like I was just looking at fur, it seemed like, mm. more than anything. You know, like binoculars were more than plenty to get a couple drainages over, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that I usually don't take. Um, not to say I never would take it if I was in a country that um, was where it was conducive, I might take it. Now, I will say that I do put a tripod and spotter in my pack, but the likelihood is, is that it's almost entirely for scouting. I may go up on the side of a mountain and glass one morning um, and I may do that before hunting season or during certain seasons or whatever but it's probably not something that's going in my backcountry kit that often and when when you're actually going hunting yeah, yeah. and you know I'm I'm not really a trophy hunter either right I mean I don't care if I kill a deer a 185 deer versus a 175 deer um, to me I would still consider a 175 deer a heck of a deer, mm -hmm. you know. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not that picky about that part. Um, so, I mean, those those are probably important distinctions. But I do focus on light. So, like, I'm running the same pack as Owen this year. 
um, which is the Lantern, Spectron, and Integrated. Yeah, yeah. So for folks that maybe know our packs, it's semi-custom at right. this point. Right, um, But we're, we have the new Spectra fabric that we're building the flight bags out of. It's also available in our custom pack builder. Um, but so the, the Spectra fabric, which saves a bunch of weight, an integrated platform, which also saves weight. Right. Uh, and that total pack, do you know, do you remember off the top of your head how much that weighs? Um, when I put it on the scale at uh, my house, and I didn't, it wasn't like a perfect weighing thing. I mean, I kind of balanced it on top of a box that I zeroed out. Sure. So it might, but I, it came out as three pounds, eight ounces, mm. you know. Um, I'll probably add one hip belt pocket, you know, um, and probably lumbar pad um so i'll probably be in it three nine three ten three eleven somewhere in there but for me it will carry all the weight i care to carry um it'll carry 10 days worth of gear in the back country as well mm -hmm. um i don't mind the integrated i save some weight i gain some simplicity um it becomes a day pack real simple as it far as packing out, it's not a big deal. Yeah, and, and for people that don't know, we make two versions of our of our packs. We have an integrated platform where the frame, where essentially the pack bag is sewn to the frame. Yes. So you, it do, there's no separation. You can't separate the main bag and stick a quarter in between it. Right. Um, and then we make a breakaway version where you can do that, right, where that main bag breaks away. You can swap bags on to that frame if you wanted you right. could just run the frame by itself the version that kevin has is that integrated do you have a internal load shelf in there then yeah yeah and i mean i'll carry what i'll do is i'm either gonna protect my gear with like garbage bags or dry bags or do that with the meat right um be it quarters or boned out meat or whatever i mean you just never really know how things are going to pan out i mm -hmm. mean the the perfect world um you go on this fantastic backpacking trip and you kill an animal and it runs down to your car and expires right by it that's true <laughs> that would be ideal <laughs> you know but, <laughs> well, but you don't know how how it's going to pan out so i hesitate i mean i probably will have a second pack around which will probably be a breakaway um with like a merlin or something but it will be just if if someone wants to borrow a pack, if someone need, or if I'm just like I got all my gear out, I need to just haul meat. Haul meat. Yep. See, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you so the the bag you're hunting with is integrated. It's light, like super light. If you had to make multiple trips, if it's a long, you know, mm -hmm. do whatever that looks like, you then have another bag or another pack at your car. That's a breakaway style that you could put three quarters on if you want it or something right like you could right. load load it up and strap everything on right right and and i mean it's not like i mean i will carry out a first load probably which will probably you know once again those things all really depend i said it's me owen and nathan right mm -hmm. i mean i don't know if i'm going to get a deer on day one of the hunt or day eight of the hunt I don't know. I mean, if I get one on day eight, Nathan might be back in Tennessee, and 
Owen might be riding his bike in Moab. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, likewise, though, if I get one on day one, they might be there and, you know, I might be packing out stuff. I mean, and there's always camaraderie and things like that. And uh, you just don't know. But the perfect world, I mean, I probably would put in, you know, half half my camp and about half my meat and probably take two trips you know if it was too much to take in one which yeah i mean if you have a good deer and you have 40 pounds worth 30 to 40 pounds worth of camp you got yourself a hundred and some pound Mm -hmm. load there Mm -hmm. you know to hike out with and you break it into one or two trips i mean so it just it just kind of depends. You see when you get there. I mean, if you shoot a real hoss, you might have a real, a, a, a definite two-tripper. Mm-hmm. You know? so mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it gets into that personal preference on comfort. Right. <clears throat> Some guys easily pack 120, 130, maybe even more pounds out of the woods and, right. and be totally fine. I'm not going to do that personally. Right. You know, and like it just seems to make more sense to make a couple trips. Yeah, uh, and and get that that pack weight down uh, for those trips. So. I've d- I've done a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty before, but it was like ten years ago, and I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't easy. It mm. was at night. Yeah, it felt like a hundred trail. Pounds. <laughs> you know, it felt like a hundred and twenty pounds. You know, I really, if I have my way about it, I'd I'd much rather carry eighty pound loads out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I'd rather probably do two seventy-pound loads and try to do one hundred and forty, or I'd probably I'd rather do two sixty-fives than one thirty. Now, I mean, if you have to get the one thirty moved, you know, you can do it. And and yeah. and that's the other thing too about kind of that integrated integrated pack with a lo- with an internal load shelf is that you can you can put one hundred and thirty pounds in it. Right, you yeah. can get meat on the inside. Use that internal load shelf to hold it up. Stuff your gear around it. Yep. As long as it's protected with a garbage bag, you can haul that 130-pound load <coughs> as far as you want to go with it, or yeah. or all yeah. the way to the truck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been times. I mean, you know, it's always you just have to be prepared for whatever situation presents itself. I, I know people that have done 160 pounds um, because grizzlies were coming around their camp you know mm-hmm. and they needed to decided they needed to get boogieing you know instead of hanging in a area that was you know didn't feel very safe mm-hmm. you know so um there's there they all just depend you know it really depends so but back to kind of circling around to the the weight i think rifle season Generally, if you're getting under 40 for five days or more, you're probably doing pretty good. And your opportunities to save weight, um, there's surely some opportunities there. Everyone has some opportunities. But it's probably not that big of opportunities. You you know, you're going to put in a lot of effort and be like, oh, I got three pounds out of it. Mm-hmm. you know um but that's just and from things that carry over from the ultralight backpacking world to the 
lightweight or ultralight hunting, however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't use the same numbers to define. You know, simply there is not a ten pound backpack hunting kit. You know. Yeah, not a not a good one anyway, yeah, yeah. right? Like not. Yeah, not not something for big game mountain hunting late season, mm-hmm. and it, there there just clearly is not that kit. So you could probably adjust the numbers. I mean, as a community, we could probably come together and say that if you're getting under 35 for five days, or if you have, or minus food and water, if you've managed to get to 30 pounds, you're pretty light. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've managed to get to 40, you're mid-range, you know, above. But then once again, spotting scopes, tripods, rifles, type of weapon, you know, just carrying a spotting scope and tripod and rifle can add up for me, and I have still relatively light items there, mm-hmm. can add up to 12 pounds mm-hmm. versus a traditional bow with a rangefinder. I can be at like two pounds, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So um, there's big variance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the techniques probably don't carry over, like alcohol stoves. They don't work very well in November at altitude. Um, mm-hmm. They just don't. Mm-hmm. You, you need a different type of stove. So where an, an AT through hiker or PCT through hiker can say, well, I'll do this, you know, that, p- that person can't. You know, now what you could do as a hunter is not carry duplication of stoves. So if, say, you had like a large U-turn, and you really wanted to save weight, you could just not take a stove and be like, I'm boiling and making food and trusting my my fire building skills. But most guys probably are going to err on the, when I'm hungry after a long day, I want to boil water, stick it in the bag, or whatever, and be eating in 10 minutes instead of Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I, c- I forgot how to make a fire today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And, and that's true about the alcohol stoves, too, is you need a lot. I, like, again, if you're trying to save weight mm-hmm. in all, at all costs, it, it's there's some skill to an alcohol stove, some some real skill. And making sure that you don't burn your everything down at the same time, right? Right. With a clear flame that doesn't go out by itself. So you kind of have to know how much alcohol to put in it right. to get your item to boil and don't put too much. Otherwise it's going to sit there and burn for another 10 minutes and you're not going to necessarily know it's on fire. Right. Uh, yeah. The alcohol stoves on uh, throw that out the window. Yeah. You, you, you may, if you really want to go light, maybe um, taking like our Thai mug and just building a little tripod outside and starting a, a good little fire and, just going more bushcraft mm-hmm. would uh, do you better, especially mm-hmm. that time of year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in that la- later, colder time of year. Yeah. Um, so do you think 30 pounds for five days late season is is like ultralight? Can we, pu- can we put a term on that? Can we call that ultralight hunting? I would say that's really ultralight hunting. Yeah. Because I, I, I would say, yes, you can get there. 
but you're probably going to be in a f small floorless Dyneema shelter without a stove, right? Mm -hmm. Relying on your fire making, using a pack like our integrated lantern or something that really gets those weights kind of down and things like that and maybe just a foam sleeping pad of some sort mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i think i think you could get there but and it's and you're probably really cold tight. the whole time and you're probably cold yeah, unless cold. you really really nutted up on the sleeping bag part mm -hmm. and brought a lot of bag mm -hmm. yeah 30 pounds w what about you know like your early season or your, your september archery seasons you know like is there is 30 pounds would you consider that ultralight yeah i i, I would consider that ultralight but i'd also consider that achievable doable, doable. right mm -hmm. um there may be some dependency on the wep weapon but i think of most i know i know there's it's not a blanket statement but i think of most western september hunting as more often a series of three or four day hunts you know mm -hmm. um at least in in my neck of the woods maybe some areas bigger wilderness like the bob marshall things like that that changes mm -hmm. um and we have wilderness by me sizable wilderness mm -hmm. but hundred thousand two hundred thousand acres something like that but i i tend to think that it's it's more like you go in and you're like there really isn't anything here go back out you load up you go in another section you're like okay there's there's what we're looking for here you know mm -hmm. and that i mean hopefully you've scouted preseason, but they're also pretty nomadic that time of year mm -hmm. it seems like um you can generally guarantee that at least around in my neck of the woods once they've been pressured a little they're going they're going to be in a lot of them are going to go to private or they're going to go to you're going to look at parts of the mountain and be like what is the nat the least the last part of this mountain i want to go try to take an elk in and that's probably where they're going to be that's where they're hanging out <laughs> yeah they're hiding yeah yeah they're they're oh that 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 basin back there where you have to go over 12,500 feet and then drop into it and then drop down another 1,500 feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where they're at. Bring the pack animals. <laughs> right. So for people trying, 30 pounds September would be a good good goal if you wanted to consider yourself to be in that kind of lightweight, the ultra light. And, and we're talking 30 pounds total weight, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you can you can get yourself just say for five days. A pound a day is pretty fair in in your food, right? So it's five pounds, right? You might you'll probably be a little hungry at times, depends, but you can always pick up on day six um, ice cream, you know, mm -hmm. and eat all you want, um, and then. You know, we just said you could go a lanner at three and a half pounds. We know that you can get the Dyneema Cimarron 
say you pitch it with truck and pole hitches, you can be well under two pounds with that. Um, and you can go further under. Um, a two pound Western Mountaineering sleeping bag will suffice for the bulk of archery. Um, if you really want to go light, you can get to a, a one pound Z-Rest pad, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've gotten, you're at what, eight and a half, ten and a half, you know, eleven and a half pounds, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, say you decided you want to cook, well, let's give you a pound for your cook kit. Um, say you need eight ounces of water purification, I'll put you in a Sawyer squeeze with a couple bag, couple bags, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, or a or a pump that is requires maintenance fairly often, um, and you know you're going to be carrying. We'll just go with, say you have a six pound bow. Um, yeah, I think that's totally doable. Totally doable. You know. Mm-hmm. What you just said it the Sawyer squeeze is that your favorite water filter? Not really, um, but my favorite is the bulky, heavy MSR Guardian. Mm-hmm. That thing makes water out of donkey dung. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How heavy is that thing? <laughs> a pound and a half, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but the squeeze is easy to back flush. Um, you have to take the syringe, you have a couple bags, you know, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass. I mean, I take some iodine, you could take, you know, Aquamira or other stuff as well. Um, I don't mind the iodine taste really. Um, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't bother me. Um, but I'll probably more often than not just throw an iodine tab in unless it looks kind of questionable kind of questionable right um but uh, i think the bee free the catadine bee free is pretty cool for when you're trying to be light and fast Mm. um don't like the msr trail shot i tried that what didn't you like about it well i took it on the the uh middle fork of the gila backpacking one time um and it clogged up relatively quickly in that silty water mm-hmm. of the river. And then my forearm was probably like Popeye by the time I was done. You mm. know, just, you know, because it was slow, 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 slow. I think I was counting like it would take me 100 things to get like a 32-ounce mm. thing. Mm. See, I, w- I always thought the trail shot was like a worse pump. Yeah. yeah. You know, like. It didn't advance anything in my world because the pump is actually easier to work with. Yeah, yeah. Than the squeeze. Right, right. One, one you're using like biceps or triceps versus the other you're like. Yeah, the trail shot for people that don't know is is kind of like a palm size. I don't know. Squeeze pump. Squeeze. Yeah, you kind of look it up. I guess. Uh, um, Imagine you know you got your little hand grip exercise thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like rock climbers use Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah, or like yeah. a stress ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And imagine you just have to do like a hundred of those every time you want to get water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if the water gets dirty, it's more. <laughs> it increases its <laughs> resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't 
didn't like this trail shot. The lightweight MSR pump isn't bad, but it's kind of a pain in the butt to back flush. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what happens with ultralight gear a lot of times is there's the trade-off that like the MSR Guardian, you really practically, it back flushes itself. Mm-hmm. It makes stuff out of anything practically. And, and the Guardian's a purifier as well. Yeah. So yeah. It, it filters down to like the virus level, like yeah. 0.01 microns or whatnot. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you can take it, go to Mexico with it and filter everything with it, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you go to third world countries and stuff, you know. So, mm-hmm. but like there's, what's the other MSR? There's, they have like an eight or nine ounce pump filter. Mm. But it's like you got to pull out these two little plugs and reverse them, then tip your bottle upside down to to do a back flush of it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in normal Mountain Creek water, it requires a back flush about once a day. Mm. And while it isn't super hard to do, it is kind of like five minutes. And it's like, well, Sawyer Squeeze is easier to back flush because you can just take that little the syringe yeah. and pump into it, yeah. you know. Um, they all have their benefits. They all have their drawbacks. Um, you know, late season hunting camp or areas that are dry, I will probably take the extra weight of the guardian because I think that the heavy, the weight of the guardian allows you more latitude in your sources. So you don't necessarily have to carry the extra water. I mean, you might find yourself, if you need just relatively clean water to filter, you might find yourself carrying six liters around, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And the Guardian maybe allows you to take two liters, even though you got a super heavy pump, mm-hmm. you know. So it ends up being lighter. I mean, it's all the weight thing that we're talking about, ultralight, lightweight. It all comes down to least effort anyway. You know, it's, it's just being as efficient as you can out there. And if... If you take a 12-ounce sleeping bag to save the weight, but you sleep like absolute crap in it, then that isn't a trade-off that's worth happening because the next day you're probably going to, or at least after a couple days, you're probably going to be moving slower, dragging the ass because you haven't had recovery, you haven't had good sleep. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe if you're like 19... At an age where you can literally like party till five in the morning and get up at seven, get up, and go to work, and go to work and keep doing that, you know, you're good. But mm-hmm. you know, you get. To, you know, I, I don't know too many people that make it out of their twenties that can stack five o'clock, five a.m. partying, and seven o'clock wake up for a few days in a row very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, just have a kid. Right, and not yeah. don't sleep all night and see see <laughs> yeah. how it goes for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just kidding. Uh, so you you talked about or you mentioned a little bit right the the trade off with lightweight gear. There's usually some trade off. I'll kind of seg that segue that into Dyneema. Dyneema's big word. We throw it around here all the time. We have some pretty cool shelters made out of this fabric. Um, for, d- for those of you that don't know, it's a fabric we use to produce some mm-hmm. tents. Um, is there a trade-off with Dyneema? Your wallet. You know, I mean, it's, it's expensive. Um, 
probably probably at the highest end of performance and longevity. Maybe it's not as good as a 30 denier nylon. Um, or maybe it is, right? I mean, it's hard to, it has some serious benefits. Like it's stronger, lighter, more waterproof, doesn't stretch, um, that isn't really affected by sunlight. Um, all those things are advantages. The disadvantage is the cost. And maybe, just maybe, at the very upper end of usage limits, um, because it doesn't give, I mean, think about it in a way like cars used to be built as big, just rolling things of iron, but now they have crumple zones and air things to, to help prevent, um, injury in the event of rapid deceleration events. Um, mm -hmm. and so if there's weakness, it's in the that end of it because it whereas a nylon fabric has some give and some play to it um dyneema doesn't but for all other uses people are going to enjoy it more uh i think i mean you could say some corner cases like i'll give a corner case maybe it's not as good for camping in a campground because you can practically see through you can it. See through it, sure. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But for all other backcountry stuff, you know, if you have it, I mean, I'm going to take it um, every time that it's an available option for me. Mm -hmm. um, that'll be. And and so, uh, for people maybe that don't know or or whatnot, the the options would be kind of a solo silex, right, all the way up to our red cliff which is a six man right essentially so those would be the available sizes and so anytime that those tents fit those sizes fit into what you're doing dyneema makes the most sense right yeah, yeah it does mm -hmm. um it it really does i mean i will take the, i took the dyneema silex with me the other day i will take i'll probably backpack with my brother here in the next few days, I think we'll go to some fishing lakes. Um, and I'll probably take a Dyneema Eolus. Um, last year for my personal hunting camp, I had a Dyneema Cimarron. Um, the year before, Nathan and I took a Dyneema Redcliffe. Um, however, there has been talk that for deer camp this year, we might roll with a courthouse and we might just live it up. Mm. you know mm -hmm. but we're going to see it kind of depends on if we have llamas available we've thought about you know because we're getting old and pathetic we've <laughs> thought about maybe getting some llamas are you gonna yeah totally and, and so if right everybody's gonna ask well why don't you build a courthouse out of dyneema yeah how much like just ballpark in your head <laughs> three grand mm. um something like that i mean it, it the cost of the fabric is you know substantial mm -hmm. um we've we bought in a very large number to save some money on it 
ride this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you guys would really be surprised how much the fabric order costs f- for how few tents come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty substantial. But and I think that's a really good point too for for some people. And, and maybe we're diving too far into the weeds with this stuff, but. Dyneema doesn't necessarily come on the same size roll either. Right, right. So our, our your typical layout, maybe how you would cut a tent out of fabric, doesn't necessarily work with the way the Dyneema is made. Correct. Per se. So it, it takes so maybe a little bit more, a little, little bit more waste to fit all the pieces of a red cliff, say. Right. Uh, on there, um, or, or even a silex for that matter, to fit it in there as as well as maybe. Maybe you could do with a normal size sill nylon sheet that that's wider. Right. It's not as wide. It's also not as long, which means that more often you get some waste at the end as well. Think if you have a 100-meter roll of fabric, you know, that whole thing's probably usable. And then, well, hey, I got a little bit of cutoff at the end that isn't usable right now. Well, Dyneema comes in rolls that are much smaller and so yeah you get a lot more ends you get more ends yeah more waste i have maybe the the nicest tie ever laying around here somewhere made out of some dyneema dyneema ends (laughs) (laughs) i found it the other day um cool dyneema yeah and i feel the same way about having used it i used a uh, dyneema cimarron or a Cimarron Ultralight last fall, solo, solo hot tent with a U-turn, a medium U-turn in a Dyneema Cimarron. And I think I was under five pounds from like my tent setup, which is, which is a hot tent, right? It was third season. It's a mobile heated cabin, man. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty amazing just to be able to haul that too by myself and carry that around is a, is a game changer in and of itself, you know? I, I really like the Dyneema stuff. Yeah, you know, I think I had, I think I thought I used medium. I think I was right at about four pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we haven't really talked stove stuff. I would say that the large U-turn is worth stepping up to. Like, I didn't have one then, but I would do that. It's a little less wood prep. I might not have to take the saw. Mm-hmm. Um, which saves me like six or seven ounces as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm taking the stove, I, I was totally ecstatic to have the stove on my hunt because it was cold and it was dark and it was socked in for a few days as well. Um, so, I mean, it was, that was well worth it. I think the bulk of, I did run into some people that did not have a stove and they had just regular tents um on that hunt and they ended up spending a lot of time in my tent (laughs) and ironically they made an order like a week or two after the season Mm -hmm. you know they were like yeah and we're changing out this Mm -hmm. you know totally so yeah yeah so u-turn medium probably go with a large because yeah. the, the difference is very minimal, right? It's yeah, it's like a couple of ounces. Yeah, it's very minimal. Very minimal for the size, for the for the burn chamber increase right. that you get. And, and, and one of the big things that we tell people is that 
it's the large is 14 inches long and if you just take some round sticks of some sort of say wrist size or maybe a little smaller and you start breaking them on rocks or on other stumps and stuff kicking them with your foot you can normally get in that 14 inch range the medium is 10 inches long and very seldom are they going to break in that 10 inch range mm -hmm. and which means that you move yourself down to using smaller sticks that burn faster sure um or you may have to carry a saw to get rounds that are going to burn and moderate the heat somewhat mm -hmm. and so it's kind of a I just think the large is a better better use, you mm -hmm. know. Um, however, I think we need to step back on this to explain the difference between the ultralights versus, like, say, the Cimarron regular. Okay. Okay. So, right. so taking it back to a Cimarron UL yeah. or a Cimarron made out of Dyneema fabric, and then our, our standard Cimarron, which we've been making for... Six years, maybe seven? I don't know. Sure. It's six, popular. Six, seven years. Super popular. And, and still a great tent. Yeah. Very, very great tent. I just used one the other day. That original version um, made out of silk nylon. Right. right. Yeah. And, and so the differences being... Two doors on the original versus one door. That one door allows the location of the stove jack to move from more of an off-center position to more of center-rear position, which frees up a little bit of space if it's two guys sleeping mm -hmm. in it, right? It, it makes it a little more natural space, where the other way, the two guys, one guy has the stove on his side. I like to explain it like that, like... <clears throat> By moving to the single door, the stove jack gets a little bit more equal. Where both guys say you're sleeping two, right? Because we're talking yeah. Cimarron. It's a great two-person with a stove tent. Yep. When you sleep two guys in there, you both can reach the stove. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you can, you you don't have to be the only guy feeding the stove at night or or, or whatnot, right? Like you both have equal opportunity to wake up. Right. You can even yell at the other guy have him feed this right stuff. right like, well, like you can both reach it where with the two doors one guy kind of sleeps with the stove yeah and he might be looking over at his buddy who's like all curled up and snoring and and just rolled over and just dreaming of big deer in his head meanwhile he's like i'm stoking the stove you jerk keeping everybody <laughs> you warm. know mm -hmm. keeping your <laughs> keeping you warm when the alarm clock goes off <laughs> the guy with the stove has to wake up <laughs> yeah because he's got to get the stove going the other guy can still sleep for yeah. another 10 minutes or so yeah oh thanks hey can you can you make me some breakfast while you're at it heat <laughs> <laughs> me up some coffee water totally so that's one big difference right from yep. our standard to the ultralight yep the light and the ultralight yeah the light and the ultralight An another big one would be the line locks at mm -hmm. the stakeout points yep um can you explain that for people, kind of like, why why a line lock? Right. Well, like, why did you do that? Right. Um, and then advantages or why it's different, you know, I guess. So line locks are basically like a cordage ladder lock that you have on a backpack, an adjustable 
cordage tension device. Um, they're pretty strong for what they are, um, minimal weight and stuff. Their brake strength is 100 plus pounds, right? Um, and they allow you to tension the stakeout loops, which means in rocky terrain, you can move your stake around a little bit. It doesn't have to be in one area. Um, you can also pitch it up a little bit if it's warmer or not breezy to allow a little more ventilation which reduces condensation and it, they do allow you to pull it down pretty tight pretty much close to the ground um, if you want especially for the shelters that have sod skirts integrated like the Cimarron Redcliffe mm -hmm. um, you can get pretty much the similar um, there isn't much weakness to that approach. There really isn't. That being said, they still can break. Um, some things like that. Our original tie-outs that are on the original Cimarron, standard Cimarron, are bomber. They're big enough that you can take big old mill serp stakes and pound in the ground if you want. Um, they seal it up real tight. Um, if we've ever had one fail it would really surprise me i mean we have so i know we've had a few stakeout points fail over 10 years but that it has been so tiny mm -hmm. like really minuscule amount um that it's kind of shocking when it happens mm -hmm. um um so most of the advantages i think are with the line lock approach for probably all except for the most extreme circumstances or dedicated winter-ish tents, right? Mm -hmm. um, if snow is on the ground um, and it's more of a dedicated winter tent, the original approach may be fine or, or works fine. Um, you know, the original approach, like I said, extremely reliable and robust. Um, Lion locks are very strong, um, but they can be busted in extreme enough conditions, or you can slam them in a car door, mm -hmm. or hit them with a hammer accidentally. Mm -hmm. Sure, um, you pound it in your stick. Yeah, 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 exactly. Slap it with a stick or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I, I have enough confidence in them myself that for me, I prefer them. Um, I know we have the line lock kits that you can add to our standard. Um, they're kind of fiddly to put on. Mm -hmm. They add unnecessary weight. But for, for, a, for a winter tent or late season and beyond, you know, our standard setup's really good. But um, in summer or any of the more moderate conditions, or if you run a nest and want to pitch it up and reduce condensation, I mean, you pitch the thing up, your condensation is usually very little. Mm -hmm. and, and kind of what we mean to by pitching it up is you typically, especially with our old, with the standard kind of sewn loop stake out points, it's tight to the ground. Yep. And there's no, there's no air gap. We, in, in fact, in the Cimarron, uh, most of the bigger teepees and stuff, they, they have sod skirts. Mm -hmm. So they actually reduce the amount of air that can get underneath them. Mm -hmm. Again, very advantageous when it's cold outside, when you're burning a stove, no draft. That's that's what it's for. 
when we pitch it up, what we mean is is you have the ability to then extend your center pole another two, three inches or so and get an air gap at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So you can get that airflow, which really helps with condensation mitigation when it's not super cold outside. Yep. 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 Okay. And in the right conditions, you can probably have the best of both worlds. Um, at my camp last year, used a Cimarron ultralight. So that's single door, stove, center rear, with line locks, right? I pitched it up a little bit, but it snowed. So I basically made like a tiny snow wall just a couple inches back from the perimeter of my tent, um, which prevented really any breeze from from me feeling, but it allowed enough air movement to really minimize condensation. Condensation, sure. Any other thing you'd like to cover today? Um, we have covered backpacks. We have covered U-turns. We have covered Dyneema's and lightweights and ultralights. Um, not really. I mean, the overall thing is that when it comes to hunting, it's probably far harder to define than it is in backpacking world, mm -hmm. right? Um, especially, I mean, a hunter doesn't, typically doesn't control his stuff as much as a backpacker does, and the backpacker's usually out in more favorable conditions with more light. Um, and then things like spotting scope, tripod, rifles versus bows, I mean, there's a tremendous difference in just the weight difference mm -hmm. of those things there. But I do think that you can say that ultralight hunting, lightweight hunting is viable. I guess that's the argument some people make, that it's not viable or it's not worth it. Mm. Uh, screw it. It's going to be heavy. Who cares? It's right. loaded in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I tell you, going upside a mountain with 40 pounds versus 60 you don't notice a difference. Mm -hmm. And I do think that, uh, you know, we all can be guilty. I mean, my kit got bloated. You know, like I said, I, I saved several pounds by just going back and re-examining it real quick and honestly really didn't lose a whole heck of a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I could have saved several pounds and not lost a thing. You know, it was... Just, and, and, you know, there was a little bit. I had some camera gear and some battery stuff and things like that. So that did add a little bit to it, right? And sometimes, I guess you'd say being in our business, that's kind of the cost of it, right? Sure, sure. You, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you might be going out with two cameras and some batteries. I mean, I'm sure Brian Call does, doesn't go out without cameras and batteries. Multiples. <laughs> yeah. Multiples, for sure. You, you know, that's just part of his kit, right? Mm -hmm. Um. But I think that you can get into reasonable weights that, you know, you, you can do a 10-day October hunt and you don't need to be above 50 pounds. You can probably hit that 40, 45 range um, with rifle season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you could possibly get down into, for five-day hunts, down into that 30, 35 range and be okay it just really requires a focused look at it mm -hmm. in in 
probably a spreadsheet. You know, I'm I'm pretty against the spreadsheet thing. I don't have one myself, but I tell everyone they should have a spreadsheet. They should have one. Yeah, yeah. You, you, know. you should get one. I'm yeah. not going to use one. But <laughs> you should get one. For sure. Right, exactly. You know, we should get Nathan's spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Which I do. I do have it now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. access to it. We can share it with the world. Yeah, maybe we should. I don't know. Does it does it, it doesn't have like his underwear preferences? Yeah, well, like maybe that. I've got to ed- maybe edit some things out. <laughs> okay. Um, um, yeah, edit out the personal information, mm-hmm. anything that talks about um, that stuff. You know, um, big battery, so I can call my wife three times a day. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I carry uh, one of those as well. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, yeah, we could probably share that as part of this, maybe sure. on Instagram or something. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, can t- we can send a link out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think you can get into those ranges reasonably well. Um, it just sometimes it requires avoiding what everyone's telling you on forums, you mm. know, which in this case a lot of it's probably going to be it doesn't matter. Take only what you need. Well, yeah, take only what you need is a pretty big moving target, too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably strip it down to the basics, you know, and then add things back in. And think about how you really use things. I mean, like, I own a gear manufacturer, um, and we make backpack hunting packs that are breakaway style and integrated style. Um and while I know most hunters favor the breakaway style, mm-hmm. I just don't use it that much. I'm totally fine with the integrated until until I find a reason not to. And it's for me, it's almost like I've been going over, you know, I think I've even talked to you about this the other day about rifle cartridges. And mm-hmm. I thought about moving up from the 6.5 Creedmoor to 6.5 Weatherby rebated rpm RPM, right Mm -hmm. but then i've also kind of like but that creedmoor has put everything in the dirt that it's touched um i don't know if i should mess with you know and i ammo is certainly a lot easier to get than rpm and i don't want to spend my time screwing around with reloading i know myself i'll get into obsessing over that when i can just go buy rounds and kill shit and mm-hmm. spend my energy messing around tweaking gear which is mm-hmm. probably where my expertise is mm-hmm. uh, reloading yeah absolutely yeah Just keep messing with backpacks <laughs> yeah awesome kevin anything else we want to touch on today no nah. no i just want to say Thanks for everybody, uh, everybody listening, everybody that has been listening thus far. We're in, boy, I don't know, for four months in, four months in. I don't know how many total podcasts we have out there, but it's a lot of fun for us to do. And we just want to say thanks for listening. If you've been enjoying this stuff, please shoot us an email, uh, podcast at seekoutside.com. Tell us how we're doing. Tell us about any topics you would like us to cover. You can go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be great as well. Again, thanks everybody for joining us. Kevin, thanks for sitting down. And we'll awesome. do it again soon. Yeah, thanks.